Hello folks, hello gang, welcome mothers of all ages to Grid and Glitter, your weekly podcast dedicated to the power of women's wrestling. It is Mother's Day weekend as we record this. Happy Mother's Day, Dawn. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to me. We're also joined by uh, M. Fear. Exactly. That's right. Your mother. Mother's oh, right, Dawn. I forget sometimes. <laughs> Mother, mother to absolutely nobody, nobody at all. I, I, <laughs> I am no one's mother. Um, I really like that mothers of all ages. Uh, it's kind of a concerning way of putting it, but. <laughs> I lapsed into like ringmaster mode where they're like, ladies and gentlemen, people of all ages. Mothers of all ages from, from 94 to four months old. Oh, God. <laughs> to my. I wonder what the record is. I don't want to look that up because it'd be heartbreaking. Oh, don't do it. Don't. Do it. That's not a. That's not a number you want to know. That's not With a the oldest. Oh no 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 no! You don't want to know that number. Old. Yeah. Oldest. That's that's a fact I could live with because oldest for, would be good for her. Yeah. Oldest woman. I say woman. Apologies to our trans community. Oldest woman to ever give birth. Aramati Mangama at the age of 73 through in vitro fertilization and cesarean section in Hyderabad, India. She delivered twins. That's right. <laughs> Not only did she give birth at the age of 73, she gave birth to twins. Oh, man. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sorry. At least it was, like, no. voluntary. I hope that she was really happy and had like a really robust support system being 73 years old with twins. I'm 38 years old with a single three-year-old child and I'm exhausted constantly. This means Chigusa Nagao could still have like a kid in like 15 years. Well, well, why, why wait Chigusa? Keep, keep pumping them out until then. You can make yourself a whole new dojo. A whole new generation of crush gals. According to the Human Fertilization and Embryology Authority in the UK, more than 20 babies are born to women over age 50 per year. Wow. Like, that's a lot of ladies, older ladies having babies. Not babies having babies. Ladies having babies. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day, folks. I digress. Hey, speaking of uh, people who are doing really cool stuff, like old women having babies, let's talk about um, queens, some queens of the indies. West Coast Pro, this past Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific time, that's 10 p.m. for us out here on the East Coast, they presented West Coast Pro's Queen of Indies from San Francisco, California. Very good show. Great little one-night tournament with a bunch of other things mixed in, including guest stars from Marvelous out of Japan. This was the first Queen of Indies tournament, although they did hold a King of Indies tournament back in November. Yeah, and like generally West Coast Pro is a typical indie that like they're not female-dominated, correct? 
Yeah, I mean they they have they just I think they just named um had a, like a tournament and named um Masha the champion. So um yeah, their history with women's wrestling isn't I don't think is very super long. Looking at a couple of recent cards, it's the typical like you know on a ten match card they'll have one or two women's matches, which is pretty much the American Indies in a nutshell at this point in 2023. <laughs> but as Don said, yes, they introduced. They've had a men's championship for a couple of years now. No women have held it. I haven't gone back far enough to see if any women ever challenged for it. But they just recently introduced a women's championship for the first time. So back at their January event, they had Sandra Moon defeat Vert Vixen in an opening round match. Then at their February event, they had Masha Slamovich defeat Brooke Havoc in an opening round match. And then that was it for Roman tournament. Uh, March 4th, it was Masha Slamovich going over Sandra Moon to become the first West Coast Pro Women's Champion. This was a really good match. <laughs> I didn't have this information going into the show, though. I knew I I had a lot of information about Masha Slamovich. You know, I know she's the GCW champ. I know she's an Impact star. I know she's a CFU champion. I know that if you had asked me just separate from West Coast Pro... Who is the queen of independent wrestling in America right now? I would have probably said Masha Slamovich. U.M. Mm, yeah, it, that's a that's a like kind of loaded question, but ultimately I don't I, I don't think she has any competition right now. I don't think that I she mean, the top two women wrestlers that are wrestling in America, I would say, are Masha and Mayu. Yeah, and you know I. I don't think anyone has the level of, of title prestige that she has at this point, right? Because she is holding a major title with a major independent promotion. Mm-hmm. And ch- and has been a perennial number one contender for the Impact Knockouts Championship for the last, like, nine months. Yeah, so, I mean, which often goes hand-in-hand hand with, like, dominance on the indies, too, because of the way the Impact contracts work. So, no, yeah, I guess it's fairly disputed. Like, Asha's it. She's at the top of the heap. Yeah, right now she has six championships. <laughs> Jesus, mother, my God. That we, that we know of. There's, there's a good chance she's got a couple others sitting in the closet, yeah, like, trunk of her car. Like, that. Or whatever. Yeah, because she is West Coast Pro She is West Coast Pro Wrestling Women's Champion. She's GCW World Champion, ALW Hardcore Champion, AAW Women's Champion, ETU Key to the East Champion, CFU Undisputed Champion. Yep. <laughs> And, like, some of these, she, like, I don't know if they're, if they're defunct. Like, some of these championships she still technically holds because they're just inactive. Oh. She just retired. She retired the belts. She won them, and everybody else said, I give up. We page. We already and I mean, was, And, I mean, she's so diverse, too. You know, you could put her in any kind of match from a death match to a lucha match to a regular American indie match, and she's going to give you something great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, her style is flexible in that way. Um, characterization is flexible in that way. She doesn't – I mean, she plays, she plays heel-ish in Impact, but mm. anywhere else, I mean, kind of. Like, I guess still, but like at this point, anywhere else in, in whether it's GCW or elsewhere, like she's, she's kind of a neutral ground. I mean, she's, 
she's just a monster, but like in not a particularly like bad or good way. She's just very, very powerful and is like known for her abilities. Yeah, because even like this past Thursday, whenever she defended the GCW belt against like Alec, I mean, like both of them got like huge receptions because they're fan favorites. So like, you know, it's not like she's I mean, I think she's just like respected as this like monster competitor pretty much by everybody, you know? Yeah, that's a decent way to make your ascent because she can be used in so many different ways. In addition to her like abilities and her flexibility as a wrestler, like characterization wise, it, it gives her a place to always fit in. Yeah, I was thinking about that throughout this show is that there aren't really too many like top, like nonstop heels on the indies. You know, like on the men's side, yeah, there are guys like Darius Carter, but on the women's side, slash the non-binary side. Like, I'll see Maxi and Paler in one promotion, and they're playing babyface, and then I see them, like, next week somewhere else, and they're playing heel. And that seems to be the case with a lot of, like, people like Allison Kay and some of these other people, is they are whatever you need them to be that night, and they can easily shift into babyface mode because they're so beloved and popular. But there's nobody that I can think of, like, who's the top woman heel on the indies right now? It's like, well, in this promotion, it's blah, blah, blah. But if she wrestles over in here, she's, like, their top face. Yeah, and I know that there are people out there who kind of feel like that that's not a good thing, that that's actually kind of a weakness right now in the indie scene where, like, people are just allowed to do whatever and play whatever part they, they want to play in any given independent that they're in. But, like, also, I don't know, with when you have a limited amount of promotions doing any kind of significant amount of women's wrestling within their own cards, it's nice to just like be able to get the women in there. And if that means having to be a little bit more flexible with kayfabe in that way, then I guess that's a, a fair exchange, but I would rather see Masha and other wrestlers too. I'd rather see other women wrestlers be able to wrestle more places and have to adhere strictly to one character or less than vice versa. Yeah. Cause I think like a lot of it has to do with, you know, like not many women's matches on shows on indie so you have to kind of be able to you know like i'll be a face in my hometown and then be a heel in cleveland or whatever you know so um i think you have i mean from the beginning of the career they have to do that i mean who among us is not a heel in cleveland (laughs) so this show was the first ever queen of indies West Coast Pro did hold a King of Indies tournament back in November. That tournament was won by Dragon Lee, who is now competing on NXT. So, hey, there you go. Ticket to the top right there. <laughs> there we go. Strap that West Coast Pro rocket right on him and take him right to the WWE. Clearly the new Bola of 2023. I mean, that would be really cool, actually, if that was the case. Because I feel like Bola needs like a little bit of competition. Well, no, it can't be the new Bola because it's actually streamed and someone saw it within the past year. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's about the live experience, Don, and like you have to like really be there, and that means you have to like you have to like really like you know put yourself on the line and like actually get there in person because it's a visceral experience, man. It's uh. not about the stream. Welcome, <laughs> <laughs> PWG. Stream your god, stream your goddamn shows, PWG. 
Our opening contest for On the Queen of Indies card was the tryout scramble. So they were often an opportunity, if I recall, where they were going to have dark trials before the show with the legend, Shigusa Nagayo. And the winner or winners, Don, would earn like a, a chance to go to Japan and wrestle for Marvelous. Well, I think they announced the people that were wrestling for Marvelous before this show. So it was, it actually ended up being, um, Gigi, Promise, and then, um, Viento and Elfazo, who I'm not familiar with, but, um, yeah, and then I guess like the other people that, um, impressed them at the, um, tryouts got, got in this match too. Yeah, so definitely Promise Braxton would be one of the ones heading over to Marvelous in Japan. This match was a five-way scramble. Promise Braxton ended up picking up the win over Gigi Ray, Jordan Blade, J-Rod, and Amira. I admit Blade's the only one that I'm like super familiar with. Braxton is apparently from Pittsburgh and yes. wrestles regularly for Reality Wrestling, Booker T's promotion. I've seen her work there, but both Don and I are very familiar with Promise because of her, because of where she started from and her time on the Pittsburgh Indies and this region's indie set. Um, at that point in time, she was not performing as Promise Braxton. Um, and yeah, her and Gigi have had like, they're doing like the early 2000s thing where they're just like going around the country, like wrestling each other and having freaking amazing matches. So, yeah, if you can, like, watch one of their matches against each other from, like, um, Reality of Wrestling or Rise or any other place, they're always so good. Yeah, yeah, they really, they really are. Um, I've caught a couple of things here and there between the two of them, and it's just, it's, like, I really like that that comparison, Don. They are, like, kind of taking this, like, feud coast-to-coast in a very like old school wrestling way, which I really enjoy. And I just, I love that Thomas seems to have a little bit of a rocket strap to her right now. Reality of wrestling in Texas, as we've discussed in the past, we've covered reality of wrestling. Um, it does seem to be a place where Booker T is really like holding the next generation of like big, big talent. Um, we've already seen that with Roxy and like her quick ascent. Um, High end continues to be a dominant force on the independence and the fact that she remains unsigned is just mind boggling. Mm-hmm. Promise is that next generation. She really is. And I, I have to say, like, in the years, the couple of years since she's left the Pittsburgh region specifically and, like, relocated and, like, trained, like, basically essentially retrained and redeveloped her character, her wrestling has just, like, improved exponentially. And you can just see the confidence, too. Oh, she's, she's so, like, I always got presents from her. I always got, like, promise from her, not to... <laughs> like be cute about it but like i i think it's it, it is kind of ironic and cute that like her name is promise braxton and she is fulfilling a promise like in her former persona in her like early work here there were inklings of that but it wasn't where it is now and and right now is just the beginning and i also really like amira from this match she's um like a what regular like on the west coast um Pacific Northwest area. Um, she's like just like a tiny little like firecracker. You know, she's super strong. She's um, you know, short, super strong, and like she's got this attitude that I really love. I hadn't seen her before. At least I don't 
remember seeing her before, and I really enjoyed her in this match. <laughs> and then Jordan Blade's always awesome. <laughs> and then Jordan Blade, because I'm just like a, a unapologetic Jordan Blade stan. And uh, yeah, no apologies made, no apologies necessary. Uh, <laughs> Jordan Blade, everybody, recognize. <laughs> Then our opening match in the Queen of Indies tournament, Lady Frost taking on Crash Lucha League champion Dolce Tormenta. What was interesting to me about this was Lady Frost and Ashley D'Amboise were supposed to be on a local show here in Toronto last week in a six-woman scramble match. And we were told in the building that they had been pulled from the card because... Ashley and Lady Frost had signed with ROH and Tony Khan wasn't allowing them to appear. So seeing her here a week later on a different independent show, I was like, huh. Um, I heard they're like kind of picky and cheesy on which companies they let people go to. You know what I mean? Yeah, it could also be a case of a regional thing. Um, ROH doesn't have, doesn't have and hasn't had much pull on the West Coast. Um, but where you guys are based, that is still kind of firmly in the pocket of their region. So that could have something to do with it. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because the match ended up, the match did end up having uh, Jody Threat and Killer Kelly. So like impact personnel were all over the card. But that like rarely is a problem. Impact is flexible in that way as well. Like from what we've always heard, as long as they get it approved and it doesn't conflict with the impact booking. Um, that shouldn't, that shouldn't, shouldn't really be an issue. Regardless, from what we've heard, Lady Frost has signed with ROH. What that means, like the future of ROH is still a mess at this point. I, I think, I think there's going to be a lot of ground shifting over the next month or two. Now that dark has ended and collision is launching and, what that means for ROH is going to be maybe questions answered in the next month or two, I think. I, I hope so. Um, you know, what I've caught of ROH TV, so to speak, um, in the last couple of months has been really, like, really solid and very, um, very focused in a way that really, like, works for the new era of ROH. But there's still that, like, muddiness with distribution and the fact that their roster is so weirdly incestuous with the AEW roster in a way that like it's hard to keep track of who's who is where and what is what and who like is staying there who's permanent and it, there's a sense of like transience when it comes to the, a lot of the people involved in ROH who some of whom hold major titles that like it, it's hard to get comfortable you know what I mean it's hard to like sink in because it feels as if like any moment you're going to lose like your favorite guy in this promotion to the promotion that they actually belong to and, like, I don't know, for me, it's to buy another streaming service for one hour show a week. I I can't do it, you know? Well, that too, which is why I, I view sparingly through <laughs> mostly above board channels. <laughs> so Lady Frost versus Dolce Tormenta. Lady Frost has spent a fair amount of time in Mexico. So this was a real sort of like Lucha Libre Esque match. They paired up the matches a lot in the tournament in that sense, too, right? We got Billy Starks just did a tour of Japan. We got Billy versus Unagi Saka. Masha and Hyan have like 
traveled in a lot of the same circles. The commentary made a point of mentioning like this is not their first dance with each other. And I like that in the opening round, pairing up like giving each match in the opening round was kind of a different mix of styles, like a different genre each and match. I, I thought this match was like a little shorter than the other ones, but but it made up for it in the high pace. Like it was just super fast paced. Um, I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, this one was a really, really fast pull, and I enjoyed that a lot. And I thought the styles were incredibly complimentary. I mean, um, both both wrestlers, the, the pace on this, there was a bit of, like, clumsiness early on in this. And I think that they had to kind of get, like, kind of, you know, sink into the match. But once they hit a stride point, and it was a fairly, like, quick match, but, like, once they hit, a, like, a stride it, it took off in a way that was really, really good showcase for both women. And Lady Frost is just so um, original with, like, some of her moves. Like, that, like, cartwheel, like, windmill-type move that she does. Like, I just love that. Oh, yeah. I love the gymnastic feel of what she does. I think there there are lots of wrestlers, lots of women wrestlers who, who can pull out, like, your like you know, flips and, and even carbills and stuff, but she has a power behind them that a lot of them don't have because of her, like the strength and solidness of her build really adds impact to it, which um, I just, it's, it's really neat to see. And that plus speed plus flexibility and like her ability to like go high flying. It's just, it's all really fun to watch. And it was Lady Frost advancing to the second round with her corkscrew moonsaults. Second match, Masha Slamovich taking on Haiyan. As we said, um, even if we didn't know that Masha was the West Coast Pro Women's Champion going into this match, like I did, they, I'm sure they mentioned it on commentary, but I probably missed it. Masha had to be one of the favorites to win this whole tournament. The one thing that takes solace in seeing Haiyan lose another, another big match against another big <laughs> opponent was that I at least went into this one knowing, well, it's going to be longer than four minutes. You know, I didn't bother to watch mm-hmm. High End versus Athena on Honor Club. I didn't bother watching High End versus Mercedes Martinez on AEW Dark because I knew how it was going to go. And sure enough, I checked the results the next day and it's like four minutes and 10 seconds, four minutes and 40 seconds. Like, ugh, what a refreshing change to actually get to see her wrestle a full length match against somebody. Was yeah, she having I mean, a really busy weekend. Um, she had Thursday, she had an amazing match with, um, Mayu, and then on, um, Friday, she, um, she lost the new Texas belt to Burt Vixen. Oh, thought she, I thought, for whatever reason, I thought she had retained that in that match. That is a, a bummer, but yeah, that's a, that's a busy, busy weekend. And she continues mm-hmm. to be this like standard bearer on the, it, like independent wrestling scene for women. Like again, it it's head scratching to me why she still is unsigned by any major promotion. But like when you see her work, like she can carry other talent, she can uplift like prop like you know rising talent, she can do it all. Um, but she is consistently put in the spot where she has to like you know take the fall. Despite that, yes, great match as you would expect between these two. They have. They're not strangers to each other. Masha picks up the win with the sleeper hold to advance in the tournament, which will be a recurring threat throughout the night, which is interesting too, because um, I don't think she won any matches with the snowplow 
which is how she, like her like defined signature and impact. Even in the um the Fight Life tournament, she won all three matches by submission. Yeah, I wonder if she's not allowed to use the snowplow as much outside of Impact. I don't know why you wouldn't. Like even if you can't use the name, you can still do still do the move. I don't. I don't does, know. Does Al Snow own the name? <laughs> <laughs> they have claimed it. I don't know. I mean, I know that some wrestlers prefer to, if they do have some kind of contract someplace, they kind of retain a little bit of what, like, they retain some things for that promotion specifically, not even necessarily because they have to, just, like, because it's part of their character or, like, it's part of the the world in that regard, and maybe that's something that she's doing? I don't know. I mean, she's she's got submission chops. She's got the ability to sell other forms of finishers, so why not you know, why not? Third match in our tournament, Mio Mamono taking on Maria. Maria was a last-minute addition to the tournament when Queen Aminata got injured and had to be pulled. I've These are two women where I knew the names going in, but I had not, I don't think I'd ever seen them wrestle or knew much about them. They both wrestle for Marvelous, and I'll admit, for all the Marvelous is, like, how great the Marvelous wrestlers looked on this show, for Chikusa Nagayo's long, long track record, I feel like I don't hear much about Marvelous. Like, they're not they're not even in, like, the top three or four pro- Joshi promotions that I hear people talking about. It's a shame, and I wonder if it's because, well, I, I don't know how accessible the streaming is. Yeah, because um, you can get, like, um stardom and um tokyo joshi pro um i mean you can get those streams pretty easily yes well and especially with tjp like tjp is in a bundle with dd the ddt universe so it's like it's a no-brainer to me like of all the joshi promotions the one that everyone should be watching is tjp because you're getting like like five promotions in one when you when you set up for ddt universe um, Stardom is its own its own entity right now. I wonder if that will eventually change, given the partnership and everything. It's still with Ibushi Road. It still hasn't, but I'm kind of surprised it hasn't. Um, but yeah, I think part of it is just I think part of it is a streaming that is, is simply slightly less accessible online options for viewing Marvelous. Yeah, I don't I don't really have much to say about this match other than I thought it was great. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you'd expect two, two women from the same promotion who know each other quite well. You know, they're going to put on something reliable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is very much, unfortunately, the situation of what's just like, hey, this was really good. Hey, these very talented wrestlers did really talented wrestler things, like, wrestle well. Yeah, Queen Aminata has become one of my favorites on the indies, so I would have loved to have seen her versus Mio, and that's a that's a shame that the injury happened when it did. She's yeah, so good. I'm I'm so happy that she's finally like people are recognizing how good she is. She is wonderful, and I also wonder if maybe the style contrast would have made this a slightly more memorable match. Not that this match wasn't great. Again, it, it was a really great match, but um, I I think we what we lacked with Queen Abinata's absence was a, a greater contrast in in the style of wrestling. But it was Mio Mamono who advanced to the next round. Our final first round match was 
Space Jesus herself, Billy Starks, taking on Unagi Sayaka. Unagi is not from Marvelous, or at least uh, not full-time there. She's full-time with Stardom. She's part of Tam Nakano's Cosmic Angels. That's what I thought. Yes, and Billy, if commentary is correct, is finally, finally graduating high school this week. (laughs) (laughs) Feels like a long time coming. I need to ask you guys a question. Do you know about the dinosaur named Stefan? Uh, no. Okay, because apparently they said she has a dinosaur named Stefan, and like I need to know about Stefan. I mean, I've got questions. Yeah, I've got some bullet questions. <laughs> yeah, anytime anybody from Stardom wrestles stateside is very exciting because it doesn't happen that often. For whatever reason, with with them being the number one Joshi promotion, with them being affiliated with New Japan, it just doesn't happen. We say we said this last year at Forbidden Door. We said this when they teased like Impact's Multiverse of Madness. So I guess I'm guessing she's a freelancer, Unagi, and that's what allows her to appear on things like this. And I mean, for all I know, she might not even be in Stardom anymore because I don't follow Stardom that closely. Maybe she maybe she's not with Stardom anymore, and She's doing other things, but she was for a long stretch there for sure, at the very least, if she's not. I haven't seen her recently. I know that I associated her name with Stardom, but especially on looking through her cage match listings, it does not look like she's done a lot of Stardom appearances in this past year. The last one I'm seeing is from 2022. Okay, so then maybe that's it. Maybe she's gone freelance and she's wrestling for Marvelous and other places. Very possible. And that happens, too. In between contracts, you know, you take a year off to do the indies and stuff. Um, I think it's becoming, especially, you know, in this, like, kind of late era COVID, um, where with travel being accessible and um, people being able to work abroad much more, like, the prospects are pretty rosy for Joshi Talent who want to come overseas and do time on the indies around here. I think we're seeing that with, with Mew. We're seeing it with a, a fair amount of people there are no wrestlers, male and well, female. Makihito, definitely, too. Makihito. Shango Kiona yeah. did, like, a two-month tour of the indies, and Yuka Sakazaki announced that as of December, she's going to be moving to America full-time. Yeah, so there's, um, there's a... Rina's been, Rina's been here in and out for the past, what, two years now? Exactly. So, like, there's a trend here. Like, there's they're taking note that there's money to be made and, and names to be made on the, like, you know, American independent circuit. And I think, I hate to say it, but I do think that, like, AEW had a part in that, too, because of the, like, talent that they brought over on a regular basis to fill out their women's roster. There were more women circulating than ever, and, like, those people who are responsible for that kind of booking, like Sumi Sakai and Emi Sakura, like, these women are helping these other wrestlers get jobs. It's a testament to the state of indie wrestling right now. It's also a testament to the state of women's wrestling in America right now because you weren't seeing Joshi wrestlers coming over here and doing like indie shows 10 years ago, 15 years ago because like not like no disrespect but the women weren't on their level. The women in America just weren't they, they didn't have the opportunities to get to that level. This was the era of like 3 minute diva matches. This was the trickle down hierarchy of women's wrestling in America. But now we're seeing it be a two-way street. It used to be in the past, like, oh, Americans would go over to Japan, do a tour, come back, and be better. And now it's like, oh, this can be a two-way road now. 
Yeah, because like before it was like maybe a weekend for Shimmer and like maybe a couple shows in the Midwest and then go home, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so we got um, we had um, Bully Billy, Bully Billy in this match. <laughs> she seemed to start like a nice little girl. And then a couple minutes into the match, we saw what kind of Billy we were getting in this one. I always enjoy that side of Billy. I really, really do. <laughs> Unfortunately, it led to defeat for Billy. It was Unagi Saka who advanced to round out the first round of the tournament. This took us into a big trios tag. Team Marvelous versus Pro Wrestling Revolution. On one side, we've got Charisma. We've got Lady Apache, Legend. We've got Nicole Savoy, Legend. Nicole Savoy, retired. This is her first match since May of last year. But she came back out just for this one. And who wouldn't come out for the opportunity to compete against Shigusa Nagayo? <laughs> and Takumi Aroha. Like, Takumi Aroha is a big name as well. I, I can't understate that. And their team was Sandra Moon, up-and-comer. Yeah, it's a it's a fairly easy pull to be like, look, we know you're retired, but Gusa fucking Nagayo is going to be here. So what do you think? One half of the Crush Gals, one of the biggest women's wrestling acts in history, easily, top five. Not only is Chigusa still wrestling at the age of 58, like that's that sounds impressive when you're like, oh, she's 58 and she's still in there taking bumps and stuff. Here's something that sounds crazier to me. She has been wrestling for 43 years. Wow. She debuted in 1980. 43 years. The year I was born. That's, that is what, like, what what was the year, what what is the world of 1980? You know? Like, the Ramones have been around for a couple of years as a band. You have no internet. You have no, Wow. Yeah. It's a cold, lawless land. Who, do you think Billy Starks is going to be wrestling like 38 years from now? I mean, I hope so. In 2051? Oh, gosh. 2061. Also, also, I think it's really, like, it's much more possible now to think of women sticking around that long in wrestling than it was to think about that, you know, a decade ago. I mean, we've got women returning to the ring because there is now a like sense that they want better in women's talent. And there was never really a dedicated market for that before. Women retired and that was that. But now this past like, you know, especially in the past like five, six years, we've seen a heightened demand for not just like to see those men come back and do their retirement tours or post or come back out of retirement, but for women wrestlers to like kind of reclaim their time in the ring and to be able to take advantage of this era where women's wrestling overall is by and large a lot more respected than it used to be. So it's cool. I want I want Billy Starks to be able to wrestle like 40 years from now. I want her to to keep having the ability to do so. I want her to be able to stay healthy enough to do so and I want her to be able to have a career and make money in this in this field because if that's what she wants. I want her to be able to do it for as long as she can. Another just another crazy match. Here, just six six greats, like one. Um, what what it means for Sandra Moon, so young in her career, to be in the ring sharing 
agreeing with the expertise of these women is wild too. And it, it tells you really what, um, what West Coast Pro promoters see in Sandra as well to include her in this mix because she is, there's a big, she's very talented, but there's a big deficit on her resume between her and Nicole Savoy, between her and Takumi, her and Lady Apache. Part of the exchange. So I think she is going over to um, Marvelous, ah, Marvelous at some point. Yeah, so Sandra Moon, definitely somebody to continue to keep an eye on for the next year or two, because she's going to be going places for sure. Oh, yeah, awesome. absolutely. This takes us to our second round of the tournament, where they change things up a little. Instead of doing two semifinal singles matches, we get one tag match with the winning tag team advancing to the finals, which will be a singles match. Now, based on the order that we got our first round matches presented to us and the fact that we like never saw a bracket on screen, I assumed that it was going to be Team America versus Team Japan here. I assumed like Lady Frost and Masha won the first two matches. Mia Momono and Unagi Saka won the second or the third and the fourth matches. So I assumed it was going to be Joshi versus America. But instead, they switched things up. They gave us Lady Frost and Unagi taking on the team of Happy Dynamite, Mio Momono and Masha Slamovich. They teamed together once in the past for Sendai Girls two years ago, and then also wrestled each other a couple of times around that same time. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was everyone in this match. Like, I could say that for every match on this show, everyone looked good. You know, like, there wasn't really a match on this show where, like, someone, you know, the loser didn't, like, look better than they did coming in. So, yeah, everyone in this match looked great. I thought, um, you know, they just did a good thing job with showing that um, Masha and Mew maybe knew each other a little bit better. And um, I thought, like, the idea of, like, is Masha letting her stay in the match to get beat up a little bit more? type of like intrigue was kind of interesting in the match too ah yeah that's a good point on i like that as well that kind of tension point and uh shout out to the guy who chanted usa during mio and masha's entrance <laughs> I, I i hope you're embarrassed <laughs> and i hope that lives with you i couldn't figure out what that was motivated by like Call me, call me naive, but I was like, he's just, just having some fun, right? Like, I don't, I don't get it. He only likes Lady Frost. He's like, screw all these other women. (laughs) I'm here strictly for like one American. For the American patriot, Lady Frost. Definitely, definitely build that way. Well, in the end, it was Happy Dynamite picking up the win when Mio Momono pinned Unagi Sayaka and that solidified the finals of the Queen of Indies tournament. I thought this was a really neat way to do a second round. I really did. Like, I, I was kind of questioning it going in, being like, how is that going to, like, really build any kind of momentum into the final match? But, you know, in a fun way, like, we got to getting to see the teams work together um, when when the outcome, when it turned out to be, like, you know, our final two, it was cool to have callbacks in their final match to things that variations of things that we had seen in that tag match, but this time they're doing it to one another. I, I, I liked it. It actually worked out really well in my opinion. 
Yeah, something like this or doing a four-way elimination match as like the second and final round, I think is is a bit of a change up from your typical four-two-one match format where it's all singles matches. And it lets you give each match more time too. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Then you're not like stuck in that like little 15-minute like routine. Which, yeah, you know, cause, yeah, because like in like a lot of tournaments, you'll have like first or second round, you'll have like a bunch of like three minute matches or whatever. Yeah, and I mean, like that's fine. That's how tournaments go for, and that and that's true of tournaments for for men and women's wrestling. But like in this way, that variation gave us kind of a um, it, I don't know, it, it gave us something different to look forward to in the card. Our last take match of the night was special attraction Brooke Havoc and Johnny Robbie taking on Rochelle Riveter and Mac Daddy Milo. Speaking of Mother's Day. I love Mac Daddy Milo. She's a regular over on um, Hood Slam. Mm-hmm. I thought her and um, Johnny Robbie really stood out in this match. Yeah, me too. Johnny Robbie, man. Um, what a difference a month makes. <laughs> I, I had not heard of Johnny Robbie prior to WrestleMania weekend. And now I feel like every other show I watch has Johnny Robbie on it. She, yeah, she killed that weekend and, and, you know, she just showed everyone what she's got and she's taking advantage of it. Yeah. You know, that's the beauty of WrestleMania weekend. Like we talked about this, like cutting into it and afterwards, like, you know, it, you, there are still the opportunities to have breakout performances that get you noticed and like propel you into a big era into the rest of your year. Um, we've talked about how like with certain promotions and, and certain wrestlers kind of dominating the weekend and like doing every show and kind of making their name off of doing like 14 shows, it can start to feel like there is less opportunity for other names to break out, but that's, not necessarily true. And Johnny Robbie's a really good example of the fact that, like, you can still have people who, like, caught attention. Fun little take match. Brooke Havoc picks up the win over Mac Daddy Milo. And then we go into a little bit of an in-ring segment with uh, who I assume is the promoter of West Coast Pro. I cannot find his name on any of their social media, and he was not introduced by name in the ring. They just seemed to kind of operate as if, like, we all knew who he was. And sorry, I don't. <laughs> Of course you do. You're the that guy. Everyone knows. He's, he's the bull guy. <laughs> Regardless, the big announcement was that the King of Indies tournament will return. It, uh, I don't think we got a date or like a time frame, but it will return. It will be in San Francisco again. Also, there will be a second Queen of Indies tournament, presumably in 2024, this time in Japan. Yeah. So cool. we wound up with half the field of this tournament was... Joshi was three. Three out of eight of the women in our tournament were Japanese wrestlers, and we had one from Mexico and four from America. So if we expect something similar, like at, a, at Marvelous's home promotion next year, where you get like four Joshi wrestlers and, you know, maybe three from America and one from England or something like that, this could really be like a really cool, fun annual tournament. And then, like, maybe switch it over to, like, Europe the next year or something, or Australia or something. I think it could be really cool. Yeah, I mean, what a wonderful way to highlight international, like, women's talent, like, all over. Um, I love the idea of being able to take it to different countries as well in the future. 
I would love to see this like take place in Australia. What a, what a like a fantastic scene to take advantage of. And it gives you more like promotions to partner with, gives you more wrestlers to like. Yeah, it's just I, I really like what West Coast Pro did here, and I'm glad that they're doubling down. Even though you know, I'll be in Japan, maybe they'll be like less eyes immediately on it. I do think with the right kind of build up to it, and the fact that they're doing it in you know tandem with doing this King of the Indies tournament, like that's I, I don't know. I I like the fact that they've kind of made an investment here. That this wasn't a one off. I feel like we get that. We get that so often in independence. We get it in majors where it's just like, here's the one token thing we threw at you and let that be satisfying for the next like Remember years. that remember that piece of bread that we threw you like two years ago? Aren't <laughs> you still happy with that? We gave you a tournament three years ago. Come on. In the main event of the Queen of Indies tournament, it was Masha Slamovich taking on Mio Mamono for the Queen of Indies. What did they win? She didn't win anything, did she? Was there a trophy? I don't think there was. I don't remember seeing a trophy. She didn't get like a little tiara or crown, which, come on, you're going to call it the Queen of Indies. You need like, you don't need the whole robe and like WWE King of the Ring style gimmick, but... You know, you win the Stardom Cinderella tournament, you get a gown, you get a tiara, you get a title match. Masha was already the champ, so she's obviously not going to become number one contender to her own belt. Uh, she's already been to Japan, so she wasn't going to win a ticket to Marvelous. Yeah, I don't know. She won bragging rights. Yet another long note on Masha Slamovich's resume. <laughs> Just another tournament to check off. Yeah, as we said, she was of the eight in this field. She was the most obvious winner, but the most deserving. Honestly, it's hard to argue with that, I think. Like, if anybody else won, like, you know, I, I love Hyann, but would I consider her the queen of the Indies right now? Not not really, no. I mean, if we're going quite literally, then, yeah, this was a no-brainer. I mean, Billy. Billy's the princess of the Indies until she graduates high school. <laughs> then she can talk about Queen. Yeah, and I mean, Billy, does Billy hold a title right now? Um, I'm not sure. She had the, I know she had the BLP title for a while. Um, she took a bunch of titles to prom. <laughs> Aw, how nice. And left him, left, got drunk, left him in the limo. It's not Chris Jericho. They didn't stop at a Lone Star Steakhouse or wherever it was. Okay, yeah, she got girl. Right now, she just got girl fight, and um, she's a CCW Global Fighting Champion. Okay, so like not nothing, certainly, mm-hmm. yeah. but you know, again, like it, it does come. It really does come back to the fact that like Masha is holding a belt for the is holding the belt of the major independent promotion right now. Mm-hmm. Like, is there yeah. a bigger indie than GCW? No. Yeah, they really overtook Beyond in the last year or two, right? Eh? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, something that I feel like Beyond is cognizant of, and that's one of the, it, the... This is the first show that I've watched on IWTV in a little while, and I have noticed a great migration of promotions that were formerly like, you know, flagship members of the IWTV family and now are firmly ensconced elsewhere. It is definitely a new landscape there. And it's not 
quite as high level and attention getting as it was even just a year ago. Uh, the rise of things like Fight, Fight Plus honestly really did hurt IWTV a lot, has bled out a lot of their major promotions. And um, Beyond isn't feeling as big as they were. I mean, it seems like it seems like they're um, pumping up a lot of New England people, which I mean, that's great. I love it. But yeah, I don't think they're really bringing in like the top indie stars like at the level that they were. Yeah, but uh, it's going to be if we lose IWTV or if, you know, it splinters even more like we see with Peacock and HBO Max and all these different services. It's going to be rough. It's going to be rough on our pocketbooks to begin with, like to afford IWTV and title match and fight. And yeah, I would love to see like title match and like IWTV combined or something like that. You know, I would hope, you know, maybe something like that could happen before, you know, just they just collapse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see some like mergers of some flagging entities. Um, And I have no doubt that a lot of these promotions will just end up at some of the pre-existing services. But whether or not those are like the major ones we're already subscribed to or like even smaller ones or they go the Eve route and just do their own like subscription channel on YouTube, which is a possibility. Um, There are like channel carriers on YouTube that could like ostensibly host streams and VOD for a wrestling promotion like Beyond, but you'd have, yeah, I don't, I don't know what goes into that. I don't know how much it would end up costing the subscriber, but we digress because we're going into our finals, friends. Yes, it was Masha Slamovich versus Miroba Mono. It was Masha picking up the win, winning the tournament, winning with a sleeper hold once again. And that's agile. That's just like you said, just another feather in her cap, honestly. <laughs> yeah, this match was great, though. This is maybe one of my favorite women's matches I've watched all year. Yeah, I, I definitely wrote this down as one of my matches of the year already. Yeah, I mean, Masha had the two best matches of the night. I mean, just pure quality-wise. Was it amazing to see Chigusa and Agayo in a, in a six-woman tag with with Takumi Aroha and Lady Pat, like, and Nicole Savoy. Yeah, absolutely. But beat by beat, um, quality for quality's sake, um, Masha and Hyen and Masha then with Mio, like, the two best matches of the night. And that was Masha Slamovich, you know? That's that's partially on Masha Slamovich. There's a reason why we're calling her Queen of Indies. There's a reason why she is champion six times six over. Six different companies. Yeah. I mean, this really certified it. And because like, she's like hard. someone that you can put a belt on and she can face anybody. You know what I mean? She's a credible threat. Mm-hmm. She is she is completely credible in and I I love the way that they've been able to utilize that in an impact even, where you have someone who is so dominant feel like they could genuinely have their like reign shaken by someone like Masha. Like you look at GCW, like she just wrestled um um Alec Price, and then I know next weekend she's gonna wrestle um Mance Warner, which will just be like a brawl. Okay, and 
And then, like, I think the following weekend, she gets the winner of um, Tournament of Death and Cage of Death or Cage of Survival. Um, so, I mean, that's going to be like three completely different styled matches. Yeah. And she can go into that, you know, that's coming, these coming shows with the, uh, the confidence of a queen. <laughs> and also the, um, the commentary was amazing. Yeah. Alyssa and, um, Veda did such a great job. Yes, I feel like I, I'm sure that these women have, or I'm sure that these, um, they have worked on commentary together before, but I'm, was, I just, I thought they worked so well as a, as a tandem. I, I thought they delivered really, really well. Great chemistry, but also just like point for, for point. I thought that, uh, Veda and Alyssa both like were able to carry their sides and offer counterpart in a really, really good way. Just stellar, stellar commentary. Like, I think Veda's great at, like, with the Joshi wrestlers, like, giving you enough knowledge, but not, like, overloading you with it. You know what I mean? Like, enough that you feel like you know the wrestler, but, like, you don't need, like, normal history. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Okay, that was our show. Thank you for listening. As always, you can support us on Twitter, Instagram, or Patreon at Grit Glitter Pod. If you support us on Patreon, $1 a month gets you a weekly newsletter written by us on such diverse topics as why AI is evil, or how uh, our parents got us into wrestling, or how many 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 shows Val Pancakes has gone to in the last two months if you support us at the five dollar level you get the Grin and Glitter archive old episodes from season one old episodes of our pre Grin and Glitter podcast you get bonus podcasts like a series Emma and I are doing called Women's Wrestling Entertainment where we track the history of women in WWE all sorts of stuff just a mere a meager five dollars a month far less than any of these other streaming services that uh, People keep forcing down your throat every, every two weeks. Hey, here's a new streaming service. It's only 10 bucks a month. It's like, I've already got seven. I can't afford another three streaming services to watch this one show that I want to watch. It's the reason M hasn't seen Yellow Jackets yet. Can you believe it? I I, just, I can't afford anything else. I have Paramount Plus. It's so Plus, good. You would a... love it. I know. I know I would, but I have a family to feed. Someone give me their Showtime login. Carly. I, I'm in Canada. Oh, we don't even have Showtime. We have Crave. I know. Yeah. I'll give you my Crave yeah. login. Maybe. Give me your Crave login. <laughs> support us on Patreon. We'll give a little bit to them to get that. And then the rest will go towards supporting independent wrestling, like usual. That's that's right. We do this feel every time, but when you support us, you help us support the promotions that are doing work that you enjoy, like Enjoy Wrestling, coming up in June with their latest show, there's going to be some Bard Burgers there. We've also sponsored, oh, we've sponsored so many. We've given to big, we've given to small, we've given to all. And we we get that money from you. So give us your money so we can give it to them. And you will keep getting the wrestling you like and we can keep existing. Sound good? Sounds like a good deal to me. Okay, great. See you there. Next week on the show, Donna will be back. 
chatting with the Vaporwave Vixen, Juniper Gates. She's a giant unicorn woman who kicks people in the face. What more do you want? Nothing. Nothing more. Please. I need this. 